0: This is Tech Transforms. I'm Carolyn Ford. Each week, Mark Sennell and I talk with top influencers to explore how the US government is harnessing the power of technology to solve complex challenges and improve our lives. Hello, thanks for joining us on Tech Transforms, sponsored by Dynatrace. I'm Carolyn Ford here with my co host, Mark. Hello.
1: Hello, Carolyn. Good morning.
0: Good morning. So today, our guest is Bill James. He is president of Federal Business, LLC. In his previous role as Deputy Assistant Secretary of Development and Operations in the Office of Information and Technology at the Department of Veterans Affairs, Affairs, Bill led the VA's largest information technology organization to deliver enterprise-wide technology products and services to veterans. He has been able to carry those skills into his current role as president of Federal Business LLC. And today we're gonna to get Bill's perspective on why application performance monitoring or APM is no longer a luxury but a necessity. And he just just recently put out a blog that I'm gonna nerd out here, just Mark, and tell you. I I really like the blog. It's easy to understand. Um, One of the things he says in it, or, or some of the perspectives we're going to get from him, is how APM for VA software applications is necessary now and critical for the future, and how it helps the VA, and I'm going to throw in there, like any organization, any agency, avoid or recover from outages, increase VA OIT productivity and observability, offer insights into investments needed for innovation, and understand and improve the customer experience of veterans. I love that last bit, the customer experience. So welcome, Bill, to Tech Transforms.
2: Well, thank you very much, Carolyn and Mark. I'm really uh, happy to be here today, and, and you've touched one of my hot buttons. I'm really interested in um, all of the, how the technology ultimately relates and improves the end user experience, and specifically and particularly, our veterans. And that's why uh, I loved working at the VA so much.
0: Well, and that topic I feel like is especially timely, Mark, right? Especially with the presidential executive order around user experience. I mean, you were kind of on the cutting edge, Bill. I mean, you've been doing this before it was cool. You've been worried about the customer experience.
2: That's right. You know, I I grew up as a programmer, a coder, and, um, and as a mathematician and it was uh, always interesting to me how we could build the code and write it. And we thought our job was done when we, you know, hit the end card back in the day when we had punch cards. Uh, and but that wall is was frankly, was a false wall, and what we never thought through, I think, clearly enough into what that code actually did for the end user. And so I think, with with a new uh, executive order and clearly the focus on the veterans experience in the VA, that wall came crumbling down for me particularly. And so it was, it was really a great place to work and a great place to exercise this whole idea of customer experience from the IT perspective specifically.
0: And before we, we're definitely going to dive more into that. Before we go there, let's just um For our listeners that may not be as familiar with application performance monitoring or APM, will you give us a quick definition of what that is?
2: And yes, it's simply, it's the heartbeat of your systems and specifically of software. So uh, many folks have gone to the doctor or seen these electrocardiograms where they put these things on your chest and and you have the little needle that draws how your heartbeat is beating. Software needs that very same type of telemetry where it can show everybody it's alive, it's working, it's working well. And then you can also take that very same monitoring capability and say, well, okay, fine. You think your software is working well in the black little box. How is the user experiencing it? So your software may be working, but the user's network may be down. So the user can't see the software, even if the software is running. So this end to end, Understanding of what is working and how does it relate through all of the layers of technology to the end user, and having the tools that that really give you a dashboard that allow you to see that from a management perspective, see that monitoring data from a management perspective. That's APM. So, in my view, it's the software EKG. I think this is uh,
1: it, this is a very fascinating topic. Not just because we work at Trace. But because of what you've said and what I've read in your articles, I have seen resistance across other agencies to adopt and to look at the, look at the world the way that you have described it. Why is that happening? Can you help us understand you know, why this, we see this across other agencies?
2: I think that a lot of it is cultural. Uh, I used to say, and I still believe this, that a DevOps equals empathy. And it's not just empathy, you know, for the end user, but dev and ops, and the other phrase, dev sec ops. The development, the security, and the operations grew up as stovepipes in the IT world, and they still operate that way, and in a lot of ways. And so, empathy means you care about your neighbor, you care about the other parts of your organization, and you very much so care about the end user. And so, uh, I think. Every organization, every federal agency, every company needs. First of all, think about who your who your customers are, but secondly, internally think about how can our culture be inclusive and and empathetic in the sense that it's, I don't live in a stovepipe. Everything that I do affects somebody else, and it's more than just soft words because you can measure that, and you should be able to monitor that, which takes us right back down to from a software perspective, the application performance monitoring. I want the software folks to care at three o'clock in the morning if their software application goes down. I want them to be the first one to get the phone call. Hey, your code broke. And then the blog, I, I quoted my yibby-yoey. You built it, you own it, right? You You don't drop and run. Once you build that code, you own it forever. And not only do you own it, but you own it with your partners, the security partners and the operations partners. So I think APM gives that that foundation for everyone to share a common view of what's going on. And therefore it begins to break down those stovepipes.
0: That goes
1: back.
0: I was going to say that goes back to what I mentioned before. One of the most important benefits to me of the DevSecOps ops is that everybody becomes responsible for that user experience. And we take the onus off of the user. You give an analogy of the airline pilot. I'm going to let you Share
2: that analogy. Yeah, yeah. So the idea is: imagine if you were a passenger on an airline, and the pilot announced, uh, "I have no instruments in the cockpit, so please let me know if one of our engines stop running." Okay, you're asking the passengers to let you know because hey, I'm I'm flying blind, and um, you know I sure hope everything works out, but if it doesn't, please let me know. I mean, that's that's silly, but uh, that's how IT used to work. And for to a large degree in VA, we had, um, it's it's very different now. We've changed, uh, come a long way. But we have plenty of instruments that monitored networks and plenty of instruments that monitored computers. And of course, we had thermometers and data centers. We have all sorts of instrumentation around the, the computing part. But we didn't have much instrumentation or monitoring on the software part. So the ops had... A lot of instrumentation, not so much the dev, not so much the applications. And so when we came up to the delivery of the Software Supporting the Mission Act in June of 2019, I was nervous. And because we didn't have what we needed from a software monitoring perspective. And we scrambled and, and cobbled together a lot of things, but uh, it's come a long way since then. And that was that aha moment for me really, that, oh my gosh, uh, we don't have the instrumentation, the monitoring observability that we need on this code.
0: Well, I love what you say in the blog. You say, I'm, I'm just going to read directly from the blog here. The software folks needed to feel like they were part of a larger team, the mission, right? Yeah. Um, that was responsible for the end user's experience. So we take the onus off of the passenger's To let me know if there's an engine out. (laughs) And we own that. And I feel like, I mean, it seems like, especially within government, the onus of the user experience has been on the end user a lot. And partly because where else are they going to go,
2: right? Exactly right. Exactly right. Trouble tickets. I mean, that was the way that the software folks knew when their application was down was when a trouble ticket was issued by a user. Hey, this is not working. And so it's like the, the pilot, um, you know, when a passenger, you know, raises his hand, hey, uh, one of the engines is out, that shouldn't be the first time you hear that you should under you should beat your users to the punch in terms of knowing what's going down, uh, you know, when a disk drive is filling up or when some um, application is having problems, and it has to be taken the entire, uh, you know, perspective from the code to the end user, We we have to be uh, observant of of what's going on and uh, and so exactly right it's it's really really critically important that uh, we take measure of what's happening in our infrastructure and how our users are affected
0: so you mentioned that at the va you saw a lack of apm the lack of apm exposed a cultural crack yeah um what did what did you? What do you mean by that? Unpack the cultural crack that you
2: saw. Right. So um, we, as Dev, as dev, the Deputy Secretary for DevOps, I saw both sides. I saw the development, and then I saw the operations. And uh, when you have a lot of the the metrics and the instrumentation on the ops side, and very little on the dev side, uh, what that to me it, it exposes. Uh, Kind of a responsibility gap, and to your point, that this is a joint responsibility, and and the whole idea of product management, which is something that the VA has pivoted to, as a as opposed to project management, when you move to product management, that that product idea includes everybody, your user your uh, inside developers, your operations. It is the the manifestation in a lot of ways of this DevOps or agile uh, uh, way of life and way of developing and, and operating code. So uh, the cultural divide that I saw was that uh, the software folks, and I'm one of them, by the way, would write the code and, and what I call drop and run. They'd write the code and they would expect the operations teams to run it. Well, that's great, and when but when things break, uh, the software folks are the ones. And in some cases, if there's a bug or some security exposure or something, they're the ones that get called. But but the responsibility was pretty much on the operations side of the fence. So from a cultural perspective, I wanted to balance that so everybody had a role: Dev, Ops, and the user. They're nothing like a having a great champion, a business champion who owns the operational responsibility of the outcomes for example of a specific piece of software but if you have that great team and they're bound together that's that's the essence of a product team as opposed to a project team where you have milestones and you have an end right every project has an end but that's not you know in the software business that's exactly the point it does not end you as a as a project manager for building an application you build the application and your responsibility doesn't end there and you get to move on to another project. Yeah, you get to move on to another project, but your responsibility for the previous project does not end. It endures. And you are now part of a team with the operations and the security and the end user to make sure that the end user experience is good and, frankly, great, right? So that's that idea of, that we're all in this together, that we are a, a holistic team, not just you know, chunks, or, or pieces in a series of milestones, or, or you know that we are all in it together, forever together, uh, in in service of the veterans, and and so that that's a very passionate thing about anybody who works at the VA, and, and I, everybody has heard me talk about that before. They're working at the VA is not like no other agency. Their purpose is so clear, like no other company, and it's so noble. You feel good about working there, and you get passionate about. Providing the services to the veterans that they've earned. So uh, when you when you tie that fantastic, noble objective with the tool sets and the culture being able to deliver it, it's just a fantastic experience for me. Bill,
1: where do you feel like? I mean, obviously the culture helps with the mission because your end users are veterans and you want to support veterans, et cetera. So, I mean, I completely get that. Do you think having everything under your purview when you were there helped make that happen? Yes. Um, as as opposed to maybe some other organizations within government?
2: Yes, I think, yes. Yeah. yes, yes, yes. Uh, and, and, you know, I don't get the credit for that. We had some fantastic leadership that uh, moved uh, VA in that direction. And frankly, we had some... Fantastic technology support. We, uh, VA has a, a great digital service team there. They brought a lot of great new ideas. Um, APM was one of them. I give them credit for that. And but you have to be able. My friend Steve Vito says, you know, lead with your ears, uh, not with your mouth. Uh, you know, everybody was born with two ears, one mouth. Use them in that ratio. Uh, but in order to adopt those ideas, you have to be open to listening to them, and then, uh, then from that perspective, having dev, a DevOps organization or now a DevSecOps organization, you do have all the levers in front of you to knit the the culture and the tool sets and the objectives together, and 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 frankly, that was uh, really one of the reasons why we could do what we were able to do in VA. And why they've continued to move ahead, uh, frankly, in, in a lot of uh, great ways since that point. I think a lot of other agencies, they sh- absolutely should look at this DevOps model or the DevSecOps model and uh, consider that. The other thing that's different that the VA had that a lot of other agencies don't is that we have a strong CIO in the VA and and they have the financial accountability and authority that was uh, in, viewed in in the CIO role by the Clear cohen Act. A lot of other agencies don't have that single uh, accountability from a budget perspective. So when you have the culture, you have the purpose, and you have the ability to control the finances with a single, you know, governance model, that makes your life a whole lot easier. And a lot of agencies don't have that very same, those very same authorities and, and powers, in, you know, uh, imbued into the organization, so uh, I think those all are all necessary pieces of the puzzle. Do you think that your colleagues on the DoD side of the house struggle
1: with that because there's not that there's not that connection between the desk ops side of the house and maybe the mission owner? You wouldn't say wouldn't say the line of business, but the the mission
2: owner. I think so. You know, the it's it's as an IT person, it's hard. Uh, like in the DOD, because for you to see the outcomes of your activity. So you might be writing a line of code and maybe if you're in the air force, for example, you may six or seven layers removed from uh, steel on target or or some mission outcome. And uh, so it, it can be more difficult in organizations like DOD than in an agency like VA where the purpose is so absolutely very clear and crystal clear uh, uh, and like, you know, we, we build kiosks or at least the software for kiosks that are veteran touches. That's very close to you as an IT person. And you can see the outcomes directly, not so much in, in DOD, your outcomes are, you know, farther away and, and it's harder for you to see. Having said all that, I'm, I do believe that the, uh, the idea of, of tying your operators and your, uh, well, the users, for example, an Air Force um, pilot, let's take for example, and the software person and the uh, hardware, the operations infrastructure person, tying those three legs of the stool together, I think produces the aha moments that you don't otherwise get when you live in your own little stovepipes. And uh, so I would absolutely recommend that.
1: Were they doing? Were they um, when you were on that side of that the world? Were they were they creating software factories at that time, or is that kind of a newer? Uh, uh,
2: yes, there were there were a few uh, software factories, but it was still the old waterfall model. And mm-hmm. so you, the software factories produced code that someone else implemented and, and um, you know and and operated. And so the software factories at the VA. Is building, uh, are, and a lot frankly, everybody is building now these virtual, well, not everybody's building, everybody's thinking about the idea of uh, virtual software factories. But if you do that in an agile sense, in a DevOps sense, you get very different outcomes. So let's build something today that's fully instrumented, right, and fully secure, but let's build and deliver something today as opposed to plan to deliver something perfect, maybe never. And uh, so the whole waterfall model, I think, uh, is really builds and frankly constructs a lot of these cultural boundaries that we try to erase in the DevOps. And so, but I back to the APM, it doesn't matter what you build, and it doesn't matter what process you use if you don't know how it operates. If you have no observability, no insights into whether it's up or down, no understanding if it's live or dev, you know, two in the morning, I want to be able to, <laughs> not literally, but figuratively hear that heartbeat of the application that my code is running. And so it puts a smile on your face and you can sleep comfortably. Uh, but uh, if it's not, I want to be the first to know. So that's, that's a critical piece of operation frankly and, and it's something that it ties you as a software builder to the operation in ways that frankly you don't get in a waterfall model
0: do you think that the VA has now baked APM into their process like they're using it
2: yes uh, yes policy wise yes tools wise yes I think culturally we still the VA have a way to go I mean made huge progress I mean it's mm-hmm. night and day difference. But uh, I think there's still a way to go. There, the software inventory in the VA is huge, 800 to 1,000 applications in the uh, VA software inventory. A lot of that code is legacy code that that has been and still works and runs on prem and still you know churns out the the goods and batched uh, jobs uh, like it has for years. So now you've got this these applications, and I think a lot of agencies do these applications that are very successful in what they do and what they accomplish, how do you go back into those and introduce modern tool sets like APM? How do you, mm-hmm. what I call the electronic alligator clips, how do you attach those to these old legacy applications? And um, by the same token security, how do you go back and kind of open up the box and make sure you, so there's a lot of wrapping, wrapping around these legacy applications to try to build, the type of monitoring you want that wasn't built in from the beginning. You'd mm-hmm. obviously have, would love to have it at the, at the beginning. Uh, and, and, and frankly, as you're building uh code, if you're building in an agile way, you know, you can't, it's easy to build in the hooks that the APM uh, uh, applications need to be able to hear the heartbeat that the software is putting out. Uh, but that's not how code was written in, in, in the old days in my day. And, uh, and so there's a lot of, Going back and seeing what we can do to help that.
0: What are like top two, three pieces of advice you would give agencies that need to retrofit and just to get APM baked in from the beginning? What
2: number one? There is no uh, replacement for industry insights. Uh, the the DIY is uh, there's no way that the government can keep up with the type of investments that uh, the competition requires companies in this market to produce. Uh, So all of the companies and the vendors that supply the APM software that's in VA and all the federal agencies, they have to be good today and they have to be better tomorrow because if they're not, competition will take them out of business. So my number one advice is go talk to industry. Uh, Mythbusters, you know, the Office of Federal Procurement Policy tells agencies to do that, go do that. There's a lot of ideas, a lot of technology that can help. And um, you may, as a government person, not buy it or or not implement it, but you certainly have the obligation to go learn about it. So uh, to me, that would be job one. Go talk to the the experts in industry who are competitively uh, required to be at the Pointy end of that spear, right? And 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 invest in new ideas. So I think that's important. Listen, uh, talk, and listen to uh, what industry has to offer. Uh, secondly, uh, I think the idea of building a DevOps culture, one that is respectful and empathetic uh, from the development side and the operations side, I think that is job one because without that culture. Change or the adoption of the idea that I I'm responsible for more than just what I have to do today. That empathetic model and which I think is uh, is the outcome is a product line type of uh, management uh, approach. Without the culture change, the tools are meaningless. It just becomes a tool time show, right? And uh, and so I, I you know growing up, I can remember you know when I was working in the Air Force. Uh, as a civilian, we had data centers, and there was always back then. Of course, there was always a shrink wrap box of software that had you know the CDs inside of it, which was the latest tool, right? And every time you know you have a new person running the data center, they'd have their tool. And it became just a a, a series of tools uh, as opposed to uh, outcomes, owning the outcomes. And right, frankly, that was uh, something I think that uh, you know is representative of the idea that we live and operate in stovepipes. So, so tools are great, but without the culture, they're frankly uh, meaningless because you, you know, there's always going to be a new tool tomorrow. That concept of culture and empathy, you you hear culture talked about, but not in this
1: context. So it's really interesting to get your take on that because I haven't heard it that often. Yeah.
0: Thank you. So I love that the advice, you know, talk, Collaborate, listen to industry, and then, like Mark said, the culture and going back to your blog, being responsible, empathetic to the mission, which often, I mean, that equates to the end user experience, whether it's the warfighter or your veteran sitting at home trying to get what he needs or exactly she needs. Right.
2: Exactly so, right.
0: That's great advice. And I'm going to encourage our listeners and be sure to link to this blog. It's a quick read. It's it's the perspective is great. And um, now we want to jump to. Well, actually, do you have, do you want to is there anything else you want to say before we go to our tech talk questions?
2: Um, we, let, we can go to, uh, to the questions because I think we're going to talk about some of the other things. I mean, what does the future hold? At least uh, we all have a, a, our own perspective on that. And I have mine. So please go ahead.
0: Well, you just teed up our first tech talk question. Um, what do you think the next leap in technology will be?
2: Uh, I think computers running computers uh, right? Rather than having a person like me with hands on knobs and dials, you know and, and monitoring, that's important. But uh, a lot of the we're going the complexity of compute grows every single day. The number of applications, for example, in the VA, grows every single day. At some point, humans are not going to be able to manage all that, at least uh, effectively. So we need computers to aid us in managing that portfolio of, of software and hardware infrastructure. So AI, I think, is coming down, uh, uh, artificial intelligence, robotic process automation. Those are all new tools that are are really being um, come to the forefront now. And, and, and frankly, over the next few years, they're gonna they're going to improve just like everything else does. But they have to operate on something. They they're not omniscient. Uh, they don't have epiphanies. Wake up in a, from a dream one day and say, oh, I'm going to do this." No, those 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 bots and AI applications have to have data to make decisions about. And without that data, they're just another tool in the toolbox that you know gathers cobwebs. So I I really believe that apm a rich set and a growing set of data that comes out of the apm application performance monitoring and is applied by um, you know application performance management uh, once you've created that data set and are, are able to feed it now we're going to be enable these bots and artificial intelligent applications and computers to run computers so i uh, without the data they're blind right they're like the pilot asking the passenger <laughs> to tell them when the engine is uh broken but with the data now the we can leverage these computers to manage our computers
0: i want apm like biometric apm for carolyn like plug me in and tell me when my liver needs more water
2: exactly <laughs> yeah yeah exactly right and just think if um carolyn you had well you do i mean i have a hundred thousand parts like a hundred thousand software applications You know, it's beyond human ability, frankly, to manage every one of those parts. So you need uh, tools to help keep your health up. You need tools to help keep the health of applications up. And it's not just the health of the applications, right? It's the, in the the case of the VA, the health of the veteran or the veteran's family uh, and caregivers. And so that's why there's a direct string between what you know about your applications and infrastructure and what actions you can take to make sure that your users, customers, are benefiting from what you've built.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All right, Mark, you get the next one.
2: Well, Bill, what
1: is interesting to you these days from a book reading perspective, TV, podcasts, anything that, uh, that you're uh, looking at that uh, you're spending time doing? <laughs>
2: Uh, you know, it, it's it's interesting because I I like a lot of uh, different things, um, but uh, the the thing that drives me that I wake up every morning, frankly, is uh, is I, I pay attention to the, the feed the VA feeds about the VA the veterans. So I've been reading a uh, you know a lot of articles and several books about you know the veterans, not only really the current veterans but veterans from the past, Civil War and even uh, the Revolutionary War. So, and one of my hobbies, I'm the uh, the family tree guy, you know, the genealogy. And so, kind of it maps in a lot of ways to the veteran experience. And so, I do a lot of reading about kind of the human condition and how it advances over time. And I think you can see that in terms of how I feel about uh, how computers should serve users, not the other way around. <laughs> yes.
0: All right. Final question. Um and this can be like completely guilty pleasure. Do you have a favorite app or gadget that you like to go to? Like, do you play Wordle? <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, no, I don't. But I'll say what I what I do with is as a former coder, I I continue to code. So I'm always trying out a new um language so now I'm doing some coding in in Julia and you know I'd love to get the some of these tiny little robots and do some things like that We're so that's
0: gonna ask that
2: yeah so that's that's kind of uh, my my geek squad have,
0: have you built any robots
2: I have actually with some of these little pie devices and try to uh-huh. control things around my house but it's, the hardware is is the engineering part, but the fun part for me is the software to get these things to do what you want them to do. So right there you get, okay, what is, and frankly, if you're doing this, even as a hobby, what's your DevOps uh, process look like? You know, is it agile? Is it waterfall? What tools do you use? Do I have APM and these things? Do I use GitLab, GitHub? How do I manage my own software? So eating your own cooking (laughs) You know, it's kind of an eye-opening experience. But that's, that's kind of what I, I do uh, when I, with, with the spare time that I get.
0: I love it. I love that your passion is truly what you dedicated your life to. It's fantastic. I, they call us nerds. I don't know if you know that.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> but it's, that's great. So, well, thank you so much, Bill, for taking time with us today.
2: You're very welcome. I enjoyed it. And I hope you all have a great day.
0: You too. And thanks to our listeners for tuning in. Please leave us a review. Smash that like button and share this episode. And we will talk to you next week on Tech Transforms. Thanks for joining Tech Transforms. Please post a review, share this episode, and follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter.